Well, you got your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 this morning as we start the Christmas season. I'm going to bring one of my favorite messages. If you saw on the cover of your bulletin this morning from Matthew chapter 2, why the wise men were wise. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but the Bible actually tells us. We have to do a little bit of study and we have to read a little carefully, but the Bible tells us everything we need to know about these wise men and why they were wise. So we're going to look at that this morning, Matthew chapter 2. I hope that you had a good Thanksgiving. I hope you're ready for Christmas. And uh, if you're not, get there. Amen. <laughs> Don't wait to the last minute. Don't. Uh, we did that. My wife and I was reminded me of the year we were shopping for presents on Christmas Eve and everybody was closing up and we were scraping the shelves. And she said it was for one reason. I thought it was for a different reason. But, but either way, I just remember that. And I remember that, you know, Christmas just sort of, there it was, you know. Um, and it, it seems like it takes forever to get here. And then it just seems like after it's just, boom, it's just gone. Amen. But now, if you're like me, on December 26th, I just go ahead and start counting the days till the next one. Amen. I, 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 uh, I leave my lights up till the end of the year. I th- I th- amen. Uh, everybody talks about putting them up too early. Well, you can't have it both ways. See, if you're not going to let us put them up before Thanksgiving, then you don't get to tell us when to take them down. That's just how that works. Amen. And, uh, and so... <laughs> But anyways, uh, Matthew chapter 2 this morning, and I'm going to read for us, uh, I'm going to read for us, we're going to start in verse 1, we're going to read down to verse 12, and, and, and I hope that some of the things we'll share with you this morning uh, will, will, you'll keep it with you through, for every Christmas to come. But Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Everybody there, amen? It says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold. There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Um, I want to pause. I don't know if I ever shared this with you all on Sunday morning. I know I taught it on Wednesday night, I think at least once in our study in the Genesis class, but I want to give it to you again just in case. Whenever you find that word behold in the New Testament, uh, there's only one word. There's two words, two slight different words in the Greek. Not much, but there's one key word. That almost every time you see that word behold, it's going to be that word. And if it's not that word, it's close enough to it that what I'm going to tell you still applies. Whenever you see the word behold in the New Testament, that is a powerful Greek word translated in English, which means that you and I should pay very close attention to what's about to follow. There's a lot of words you can read over. And, if, the, <laughs> but don't read over behold when you see it in the New Testament. Everybody with me? Amen? And so right here in verse 1 it says, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, that alone should tell you one of the things that made them wise the fact that when they saw the star of the promised king they came to worship him we'll talk about what that means in a minute verse 3 when Herod the king had heard these things he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together he demanded of them where Christ should be born and they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea for thus it is written by the prophet And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the place where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. What's well, a familiar story, and a lot of times we start the Christmas season with the shepherd story. We might look at that next week, probably next week. Big day for us next week. Next week, I believe, is our Christmas families will be here next week, and we'll be celebrating with them and providing Christmas for them. But I like to start with the wise men. I like this story because this story goes before the actual birth of Christ. It actually goes back before the incident with the shepherds. This actually starts it because these wise men saw something in their studies in the heavens that let them know that a great event was about to take place, that a king like no other was going to be born, and so they, they had to journey to get to him. And, and so it, it actually is kind of the start of the story. We, we jump in with the shepherds and the birth. But even before that, you have, you have God setting the stage. God's preparing the way, just like he's always done. He's laying a foundation for something that he's about to do that, 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 that humanity has never seen before. Amen? And, and here you have these wise men, and, and I love this story. So several things I want to share with you this morning that, that, that made the wise men wise. But really we're going to, I've got about, uh, well, I won't tell you how many things I got. But the last one's the one, the last one's the one we're going to focus on. Uh, but I'm, so I'm going to try and get to that as quickly as I can. But, but, but uh, these other ones are important too. Number one, they journeyed from the east. If you look at verse one, it says that wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. They weren't from Jerusalem. They weren't Israelites. They were wise men from the east. Most historians believe that they came probably from Persia. Uh, and, and the fact that in verse 1 there where it says wise men, the Greek word is magi, uh, which does not mean magician. You might have heard people say that, uh, but it's not a magician by any stretch of the imagination. That word for magi there is the word for a learned observer or a student, uh, a, which is why we translate it as wise men in the King James. Uh, it, it's, if they were anything, they were probably very close to astronomers, not astrologers, astronomers. In other words, they, they, they didn't believe in, in the supernatural and, the, and Capricorn and Sagittarius and your signs and all that kind of thing. They weren't astrologers, but they were astronomers. They were wise men. They were scientists who probably focused on studying the stars and the heavens, which is why when the star appeared, it was so important for them. Everybody got that? You see, God always appears the way he needs to appear in a person's life that will speak to them on a level that they can understand in order for him to make himself known to them. So how else is he going to speak to men who spent their life studying the heavens to get their attention? He's going to do something in the heavens. Amen. In fact, the psalmist, David, said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. 
And so these men saw something, and they journeyed from these. They took a journey. Some people come to Christ. It's a short journey. For others, it's a much longer journey. And and, and it may be that even because these men were scientists, sometimes because a man gets so much knowledge in his head, it's, it's hard to get past all that knowledge to get them to see the simplicity of believing in God and, and trusting in Christ. In other words, as one preacher said, we can be a little too smart for our own good sometimes, amen? But everyone has to make that journey. That, that's one of the reasons why Jesus brought a little child to him and said, except you become as a little child and be converted, you, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, children are trusted. Children, it's not that children are dumb. Children just haven't learned yet, Amen. Children are very trusting, and and the younger the child, the more dependent they are upon the elders in their life to take care of them. And and, and the Bible here is teaching us that we, as we grow and and as we mature in our life, we, we never, ever, ever, ever need to grow to the place that we no longer need God. You've grown too far. An old preacher said, you've grown that much, you've got, you've grown too big for your britches, Amen. No, we don't ever get to the place where we don't need God. But no matter where you are, God will speak to you in such a way that he needs to to get your attention, to draw you to him. Now, he's not going to make you take the journey. He's not going to make you trust him, but he's going to show you everything you need to know to start that journey, and then you have to take the steps on your own. Amen? And that's what these wise men did. They were smart because they looked not just... Not just at the scriptures, we're going to see that in a minute, but they looked first at that thing that spoke to them, and they said, we need to find out more about this. You ever talk to somebody who, who, who they're an expert in their field, and, 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 and you try to share information with them, and you can't get past their own expertise? I've, I've had conversations with people like that all the time, being a pastor. I've talked to men who have doctorates. I have men who won't talk to me because I don't have a doctorate. Apparently, I'm not as smart as they are. Well, I'm smart enough to believe in God, and if that makes me dumb, then that still makes me smarter than you. Amen. I'll take my dumbness over your smartness any day if my dumbness causes me to see the truth of who God is and how much he loves me. Amen. I better stop or I'll preach and get myself in trouble. Amen. They journeyed from the east. Beloved, if God is speaking to you, don't, don't just dismiss that. Ask the questions you need to ask. Start that journey. Search, look, and you will find the answers because they're out there. Amen. In fact, you don't have to look far. Just look inside this book right here. But we'll save that one for another time. Number one, they journeyed from the east. Number two, and this ties in with what I just said, they made the necessary inquiries. Look at verse two. When they got to Jerusalem, they they began asking, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. So they knew. They they didn't just come to see him. They didn't just come to go, uh, Oh, my goodness, this is wonderful. Look at this child. That's nice, all right? And then walk away. Because they understood, they saw the signs, and they knew the significance of the moment. They came to worship him. They came to worship him as a king. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, uh, these men were so out of place that everybody saw them, and word began to spread as they're asking, where's the king of the Jews? Where are the king of the Jews? And most people were probably going, well, Herod lives over there. And they're like, no, we didn't come to, we've come to see the newborn king. There's a baby that's been born. We're looking for this king, this new child that's born. The signs in the heavens have shown us, and, 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 and everybody's beginning to get confused. Who are these people? Why are they looking? Don't they understand we have a king already? <laughs> and it was so, so troubling, in fact, that, that, that in verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. See, they made the necessary inquiries. 
in order to worship him. Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? We've seen his star and we want to worship him. Ask the questions you need to ask to get the answers you need to ask. And here's number three. Not only did they journey from the east, not only did they make the necessary inquiries, but they made inquiries to the point that, it, that they, they troubled Herod and all of Jerusalem. Some of, us, some of us dangerously will start a journey towards God. There's too many people who start moving towards the Lord. But then we get to a point where sort of maybe the obstacles are just begin to mount up and Maybe we're not getting our questions answered as fast as we'd like. Maybe the answer we want from God isn't coming as quickly as we'd like it to. And then we just sort of quit and give up. These men didn't quit. They didn't give up. They kept pressing the question to the point that it stirred up Herod and all of Jerusalem. They were troubled by the question these men were asking. And they were troubled for different reasons. And I put this in my notes. (laughs) When you begin to seek God with all your heart, When you begin to truly seek him so that you can worship him above all else and above all others, you are going to, you're going to trouble the foundations of the political and religious atmosphere of the day. I'm going to say that again. Really, truly worshiping God, seeking God to worship him will trouble the current political and religious climate of the day. Because there are always going to be politicians and religious leaders who want to talk about God, but they don't actually want to worship him. Well, how do we know? We just read the story. These men are looking for the one born the king of the Jews. And when they have their meeting with Herod, we're going to look at it again in just a minute. Herod doesn't say, Wait a minute, I read about this. This, I know this story. You mean the Messiah's come? This is exciting. Everybody load up the camels. Let's go. He doesn't do that. You see, it's not enough to talk about God. It's not enough to even know where he is. It's not enough even to seek him. It's to seek him and to find him and then to truly worship him that makes a difference in our life. These wise men were not just on a journey so that they could go back to their home in the east and put in their journals and in their diaries, made the trip to Jerusalem, saw the king, it was a nice trip, now back to work. That's not what they were doing at all. In fact, we'll see that as we move through the story here. It was much, much more to these men. They journeyed from the east. They made the inquiries. They troubled Herod in Jerusalem. But pause and look at this in verse 4. Um, in, in fact, in verse 4 through 7, he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together. Herod, he, he was troubled, Jerusalem. He, he called his scribes and priests together, and he demanded of them, where is Christ going to be born? Who, this king they're talking about, we, I know who they're, the, the Christ, the Messiah, they're talking about the Messiah. He knew enough about his Bible to know the Messiah had been promised to Israel. Any good Israelite, in fact, any bad Israelite like Herod would know that the Messiah had been promised. They knew the story of Moses. They knew the story of the deliverance of, out of Egypt. They knew the promise of a Messiah who would one day come and deliver them from all political oppression and, and all the oppression of this world. They knew the stories, and Herod demanded, where is he going to be born? He knew just enough of his Bible, but he didn't know what he needed to know. But thankfully, he had people around him who knew, because the Bible says in verse 5, they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are not the least among the priests of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod privately called the wise men and said, when did the star appear? See, he wants to know, now, when did you start your journey? When did you first see the signs? 
And they knew right away. They knew right away who he was. They knew the promise. They knew where he would be born. The Bible gave them the answer. By the way, if you read this passage at least four different times in Matthew, the prophets, the prophets, the prophets, the prophets. The Word of God has been promising this. We've lit the hope, the, can, the, the candle, Advent candle this morning is the hope candle and, and talked about that God always gives us a hope. And, and, and for, for, uh, for uh, several hundred years, for about 400 years now, the Israelite people had been waiting and waiting and that hope was there and they knew their Bibles and here now uh, you're beginning to see the signs and God's about to do something amazing and you, and you need to understand what's happening here. Even going to the birth of John the Baptist, there had been no prophet in Israel for over 300 years, about 400 years, depending on how you count it. No word of God, nothing happening. They were enslaved to Rome. Nothing is happening. And then one day, a star, a sign in the heavens, so significant that Israel missed it, but wise men from the east came all the way to Jerusalem to, to find out and see the birth of the one that that, that event in the heavens signified. And it was happening right under the noses of the very people that God had given his promises to. And they didn't even see it. Herod, he wanted to know. He, he, he said, where? Did, where is he going to be born? When did the star say? But, but Herod isn't interested in worshiping. Look at verse 8. He sent them to Bethlehem. And said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you find him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now, if you've seen the movie The Nativity, which I love. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. That scene with Herod and the wise men. And uh, the wise men kind of look at each other when he says that. It's a great scene, great acting, great writing, great directing. I don't care how you put it. It's just a great scene because I imagine that's pretty much how it went. As Herod says... You've told me this story. This is awesome. Go find him and let me know when you find him, then I'll, and then I'll go check him out myself. And these wise men look at each other going, there's something not right about this. Because if everything that we've told you is happening, and if you know your Bible enough to know what's happening, and if you know the significance of this, you wouldn't be saying, you go find him, then come back and tell me. You'd be saddling up and going with us right now. See, a lot of people in the world, they want to know about God, just enough about God to say that they know about God, but they don't want to know him personally. They don't want to know him for himself. And sometimes people don't even want to know God. They just want to know somebody else that knows God. Why? Because that way when they get in trouble, they'll know who to go to. <laughs> the reality is, beloved, Herod had no intention of worshiping. In fact, it's not recorded in this passage, but history tells us that Herod was one of the most, most wicked kings of Israel. In fact, one historian wrote this about Herod. If you know the story of Herod... He had his own family, members of his own family, put to death because he was afraid they were going to take the throne away from him. And a historian wrote this uh, about, about Herod. He said, it was safer and better to be one of Herod's dogs than one of his children. This man didn't care that the Messiah was born. This man cared that he was going to lose his throne to another king. Can I just go ahead and make this real easy for us all? It doesn't matter what throne you're sitting on. You're going to lose it one day. Because there's only one king and his name is Jesus. 
It doesn't matter what kind of religion or, pol or political scheme that a nation uses or a people leave in. It doesn't matter. There's going to come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. And it won't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, Baptist, Methodist, white, black. It won't matter who you are. Jesus will be on David's throne. And the Bible says that everyone will come to him. All the nations will recognize him. And he will be the one and only king over all the nations of the earth. And if you're like me, the longer we live in this world, the more you look forward to that day. I can promise you right now, if somebody showed up and wise men started talking about stars and I said, you know, we've heard that Jesus is getting ready to come back. I bet let's go. Where do we need to go to meet him? Amen. I mean, I, I love the fact the Bible says he comes as a thief in the night. He's going to come suddenly. We're, we're not going to be expecting it. We can look for it. We're not going to see it coming. But I still like the idea that, 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 that if I can do everything within my power, I know the Bible says it's going to be a surprise, but I'd, I'd love to be that one person as we're flying up through the skies to go, ah, so I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> Amen. I'm excited about the return of Christ. Herod didn't have any intention of worshiping him. And so they go in verse 9, it says, They heard the king, they departed, and the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. A little strange what happened here. I've studied this. I haven't found an answer that satisfies me. I've read different things. The star appeared, they saw the signs, they began the journey, the star, the signs went away. They went to, they're in Jerusalem, they're looking, they know he's in Bethlehem, they head to Bethlehem, but Bethlehem's not a small city, but it's not a large city, but it's not a small city either, and they go looking for him, and then a star appears, and it actually begins to move, and, and, and some of the commentators talk about it being an angel, and talk about it being another event in the heavens, and different, but, but whatever it was, it, it was so precise that it showed them exactly where to go to find the one that they'd been looking for. And I have another sermon that I preach at Christmas, and this is the title of the message. It's called, Will You Be the Star? Not the one who gets the spotlight shine like we think about a star. Shine the spotlight on me. No, no, but the one that actually shines the light on Jesus. Will you and I be the ones that are so clear and who we worship and who we love, that when the world comes to us, they know exactly who we're pointing to. They know exactly who we love and worship. That when they look at us, there's no doubt in their mind that we belong to Almighty God. Because when they look at us, every light we shine reflects upon Christ and not ourselves. And so they saw the star and they came to the house and, and, and then here's the key, verse 11. This is this. Everything I said works towards this. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down. And they worshipped him. Well, the Bible starts, tells verse 1, they, they, they wanted to find him. In verse 2, we've, we've seen his star, we've come to worship him. So when they find him, what do they do? They worship him. And they opened their treasures... And they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then just to throw verse 12 in there, being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. <laughs> and here's the key. What really made the wise men wise? They made the journey. They made the necessary inquiries. 
They did not stop searching, even to the point of troubling Herod in Jerusalem. They followed the star. They followed the path that God had put them on until they came to the one that they'd sought to worship. And when they found him, they worshiped him. But, beloved, how they worshiped him is absolutely crucial that we understand that. So let me give this to you very quickly. We sing the song, We Three Kings. Well, the Bible doesn't call them kings. We'll talk about that in a minute. It calls them wise men. We say three, we say there were three of them, but why do we say there were three of them? Usually because there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Bible doesn't tell us that they were kings. It doesn't tell us how many of them there were, but it does tell us that they gave three very specific gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I think history and tradition is probably right. There probably were three of them, and they were clearly not poor men because what they brought represents incredible worth and value. So these weren't just learned men. These were men who were well-off learned men. They were able to put together the resources to make the journey and not just make the journey, but when they found the one they came to worship, they were able to give three of the most valuable gifts you could find during that day, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But this is where it gets good. Why were the wise men wise? I want, to, I want to say to you, beloved, that it's, it's because of the gifts they gave him. Number one, they gave him gold. They gave him gold because gold is what you give to a king. Not just to any king, but to a king of kings. See, the wise men not only knew that he was the king, but they knew that he was the king of the whole world. They knew that he was the king of the whole world because they knew that this was God who had come in the flesh. They brought king because they recognized that this baby they were looking at was the very son of God in human form. They brought gold to the king of kings, to the lord of lords, to the prince of peace, to the ruler of all mankind. They recognized his deity, his sovereignty over all the world and all humanity. They brought him gold. Number two, they brought him frankincense because they recognized his humanity. They recognized not only was he a king, but the frankincense was the particular instrument used by the priests of the day. It was what the priests offered when they offered up, when they would light incense in the temple. It was frankincense, and it was not, it's not expensive, and it's, a very, it's, not, it's not cheap, and it's a very powerful incense. And so they recognized his deity, they recognized his humanity. Somebody has said that if you study the Bible about Jesus, it tells us that he, he fulfilled three main roles in his life. Prophet, priest, and king. And here, here these wise men recognized he's king and they recognized him as priest. See, a prophet speaks on God's behalf to man. A prophet stands and says, this is what God says to humanity. A priest stands and represents man before God. And he makes intercession as a priest for man before God. And a king represents man to other man. So the prophet is God to man, the priest is man to God, and the king is man to man. These wise men and the gifts that they brought to Jesus recognized that he was the one who was going to do three things. Number one, he was going to restore the relationship between men and other men. Number two, he was going to restore the relationship between God and man. And number three, he was going to restore the relationship between man and God. But how was he going to do that? Look at the third gift. They brought 
myrrh. And if you're a student of the Bible, you'll know that myrrh was a particular ointment used in a few things, but most especially myrrh was a burial ointment. You see, these wise men knew not only that Jesus had come to live as the king of kings and the priest of priests and a prophet among prophets, but they knew that this one who was born would also one day die. So much so that they brought the very thing that would be needed at his death. They brought myrrh. And this is where, this is where, it, gets, this is where it gets so good, beloved. Look carefully at verse 11 again. When they came and they saw and worshipped him and they opened their treasures and they presented gifts of gold, frankincense, all four times that word they is used, it's plural and it's together. It doesn't mean one brought this, one did this, one did this, and one did that. It doesn't mean that. It means the three of them collectively together. They all journeyed together. They brought, uh, they went into the house together. And when they knelt down and worshiped, all three of them gave the same three gifts. Now, I'm going to tell you why that's important, beloved. It is not enough for me to believe that Jesus is your king. And you only accept him as your priest. It's not enough for me to accept him as the priest and you'd only accept him as your king. It's not enough if you only accept Jesus for part of who the Bible says he is. Jesus didn't come just to be your king. He didn't come just to be your prophet. He didn't just come to be your priest. He came to be all three. And it's only because he's all three that he was able to go to a cross and shed his blood and pay the price for your sins and for mine. You want to know what what made the wise men wise? They knew that this man, they knew that this baby that they're looking at was going to grow up and live and he was going to die for the sins of the world. And they knew that because they were wise men. You want to know how powerful this is? Take your Bibles. We're almost done. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 60. You need to see this. Isaiah chapter 60. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah, one of the prophecies says in Isaiah earlier and elsewhere in Jeremiah, there's at least two other places in the Bible where it says that when the Messiah comes, wise men will come and they will bring him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Bible tells us that. And here we have this being fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2. But when you get to Isaiah chapter 60, in Isaiah chapter 60, the prophet Isaiah has moved past the first coming of Christ. He's moved past the prophecies of the coming of Jesus as a little baby and and as the Messiah. We're past Isaiah 53 where it says he will be bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes we are healed. We're past that. We're in Isaiah chapter 60 now. And in Isaiah chapter 60, the prophet is now talking about after the fact that Christ has come, after Christ has died, after the tomb is empty and he is risen, now you have the nations of the earth looking to the risen Christ. And it says in in chapter 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon thee, and his glory will be seen upon thee. And I love this, verse 3. And the Gentiles will come to that light, and kings to the brightness of its shining. 
Lift up your eyes and see. They gather themselves together. They come to thee, sons from afar, your daughters nursed at your side. Then you will see and flow together, and your heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles, or the nations of the earth, will come to thee. The multitude of camels and dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, they will come, they will bring... Look at verse 6. Gold and incense. And they will show forth the praises of the Lord. Why? Something's missing. What's missing? Well, the myrrh. Because, beloved, it's not needed anymore. The day is going to come when Jesus returns, just like the Bible promised that he'd come the first time, and he did 2,000 years ago. The Bible tells us he's coming aback, and he, he's coming aback. I don't know what, that's southern right there, amen. He's a coming aback, amen. He's coming back, and he's going to sit on David's throne, and the nations of the earth will come to him, and they'll bring gold and frankincense, because in that day he will be the king, and he will be the high priest who brings man together, and he brings man to God. Oh, but it gets even better than that. Oh, it gets even better than that. Jump down to verse 9. The isle shall wait for me in the ships of Tarshish, first to bring thy sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, unto the name of the Lord God, to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified thee. Now you don't even have the frankincense anymore. Because the day is going to come, beloved, when all the peoples of the earth and all the nations of the earth, and all those who've put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't need a priest to intercede before us before God, because our God will be with us. You, you want to know what made the wise men wise? They understood that the first time Jesus came, he came to die. That the next time he comes, he's coming to reign. And when he finishes that reign, everyone who follows him will be caught up into heaven to spend the rest of eternity with our Lord and our God forever and ever. Amen. You want to know what made the wise men wise? They didn't worship the convenient Jesus. They didn't worship the popular Jesus. They worshiped the biblical Jesus. They worshiped the Christ of Scripture, the one sent by God, the very Son of God in the flesh who came to live and die for us and make it possible for all the sins of all humanity to be forgiven. The best of men and the worst of men who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ can have this promise. One day, one day, beloved, one day, beloved, we will see him ruling and reigning from David's throne. And the nations of the earth, they'll bring their gold, they'll bring their frankincense. And when that time ends, whatever you believe about the end times, the thousand-year reign of Christ and the rapture and all that stuff, whatever you believe doesn't matter because when Jesus finishes his reign on earth, the Bible says we will all be caught up into heaven, that this heaven and this earth will be destroyed there'll be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth and the bible tells us in the book of revelation they will, that we won't even need flashlights because the lord our god will be our light and all the curse and all the sin will be done away with and you know the promise the bible says that he'll wipe away every tear from our eye because in heaven there will be no sickness no sorrow no separation 
in heaven, there will only be fellowship together for the rest of eternity. All of God's people with our God. And if you want to know that, you want to be a part of that, there's only one way you can make it happen. You have to understand, like these wise men, that Jesus died for you. He came and he lived and he died for your sins. And he rose from the grave to give the victory over your sins. And mine, but I've already trusted him. Have you? It's a whole sermon just to say this this morning. I'm a wise man. (laughs) Amen. If you're here and you've trusted Christ, you're a wise man. You're a wise woman. You're one of the smartest people. I have people, oh, you Christians are dumb. I beg to differ. One of the smartest people to ever walk the face of the earth is someone who knows where their salvation and their strength and their their, uh, provisions come from. And beloved, comes from my God and yours. Amen? Let me bow your heads and close your eyes.